at least a couple times a month when I am onboarding a new coaching client, you know, an advisor, when I ask a question about their goals for our coaching together, I hear that they want to become more efficient. So I ask, what does working a you know, efficiently look like for you? How will you know when you've arrived there? Is it just a feeling? Do you have like a one to 10 overwhelm scale? How do you actually measure efficiency? In today's episode, I'm going to share with you some KPIs that actually measure if your practice is becoming more productive. These super easy to track. These KPIs are what I used in my business to measure success. I did all of my goal setting around these four productivity KPIs. And if you don't know what I mean by KPI, key performance indicators, right? Seriously, that's it. I didn't really set goals for revenue or inflow or number of new clients. In my mind, those were all things that I could influence. But at the end of the day, I didn't actually have any control over. You can only control your actions. And you get into a slippery slope, right? So I've had advisors say, okay, I want to increase my revenue by 20%. But then we find that they're also increasing their time in the office by 20%. So while the revenue went up, the productivity didn't actually change at all. So that's not scaling. Scaling is doing more for each unit of time. Does that make sense? Like if you're increasing the amount of time in your office by 20% and you're increasing your revenue by 20%, it's kind of an even per unit of time increase. So I'm not saying you shouldn't use those other metrics of growth for business planning. You know, you do you. But I'd like to offer up a couple more unique KPIs that could enhance your business planning and help you to measure if you and your team are actually being more productive in the time that you've allotted to the office. And today I'm going to share with you a downloadable version of this KPI tracker. I haven't done a free download in a while, so I'm going to share this one with you today. And listen in, I will tell you where to grab this PDF. All right, enough of the intro. Let's just get into it. Look, I know you're here because you are the type of advisor that knows it's possible to have energy left over at the end of the day and at the end of the week for your family and still have your dream business. You know, the business that you are running instead of it running you. If you're new to The Efficient Advisor, I'm Libby Grywe, and I started, built, and sold by age 37 a 100% referral-only planning practice that I grew to seven figures as a solo advisor, all while working just three days a week and taking off 14 weeks a year to really give myself time to be a mom, a wife, a friend, a sister, a daughter, and frankly, a travel-obsessed human who loved taking vacations with her family. And I'm here to walk alongside you and to show you how to do exactly the same thing and to help you take immediate action on the most important strategies for scaling organizing, and creating less stress and overwhelm in your business. We are about to transform your practice. So move over exhaustion and get out of the way, Advisor ADD. It is time to take that one right next step to build a business and a life that you love. So let's dive into today's topic. So I've talked about this before, but every advisor hits that moment in their business when they realize, oh, I'm going to make it. I am going to 
make it in this business. I'm going to be able to pay my mortgage and feed my family. And I'm actually going to enjoy this as a career. And at the same time, when you kind of hit that moment, you also are a little overwhelmed because you've been working around the clock like a crazy person trying to build your business. And if you're like most advisors, you haven't slowed down or stopped to really take the time to build systems and processes so that your the business could be more efficient or that the business could be more product, you know, productive or that the business could actually run without you. And that's okay. You shouldn't have, right? It is totally normal to have put all of your time and energy into actually just having a business to grow. Um, I've seen advisors do this before where they spend all of this time building systems and processes, and then they don't have enough clients to actually utilize the systems and processes that they built, and they go out of business. Or... I've seen advisors spend a ton of time working, you know, on the nights and weekends in the pockets of time, trying to build systems and processes before they really even know who they are as an advisor and what type of planning that they love and what is their process. So if that's you and you've hit this moment in your business where you're like, okay, um, it's kind of running me and I sort of need to run it. Or maybe you've had that moment where you're like, wow. I realize that we are just really reactive. We are in you know, a stance of reactivity where everything we're doing, we're reacting to it, where maybe I would feel a little bit better or a little bit less overwhelmed if we were working from a place of being proactive. So you know, you get, you get to this place, you're overwhelmed, you bring on an employee, right? Because everyone says hire someone and now you're a boss. And A lot of us, myself included, had zero training, zero formal training in leadership. I didn't know how to be a boss, right? And so we want to build our business by design, not build our business by default. So if you've experienced what I'm talking about, it's time to really step into your role as the leader of your business. You get to call the shots. You get to decide what metrics you use for success. You get to steer the ship. And for me, the big difference you feel when you really step into that CEO role is really three things. It's control. It's that idea of being proactive versus reactive. And it's actually having a strategy of how you want to do business. It's fun. It's daunting. But it's also an incredibly important step to building an authentically you business, the business that you are in control of, have direction of, and can see a vision and a plan of how you want it to look. And I don't mean like, okay, I have like a five-year vision plan or a 10-year plan, but you know how you want your clients to feel doing business with you. And you know how you want to feel running your business. Okay. So Again, I'm not here to create a bunch of Libbies because good God, that's a very scary thought. I'm just going to share what I did in my practice and the KPIs that we utilized to actually help me, you know, build out processes to help me scale. And, you know, like I said in the intro, you can't scale your business by just working more. That's not scaling. Scaling is by doing more in less time. But the question always remains, well, like, how do I know if I'm being more productive? How do I know if I'm increasing my efficiency? Or how do I know if my team is increasing efficiency? So I've got you. I've got 
four things that we can boil your business down into tracking that will guarantee you success. And I mean, right, like I'm talking, I guarantee that if you use these things to measure your productivity, you will be more successful in whatever terms that you define success, or I will give you all of your money back that you have spent on this podcast. I will I will return all zero dollars. But I feel that strongly <laughs> about how your success will change when you start utilizing these KPIs. And like I mentioned in the intro, right, there are things that we can actually change and there are things that we can influence and then there are things that we have absolutely no control over at all. So while I know, and I did that um, episode with Erica Pauly of Track That Advisor back in January, where she talked about some of the, you know, key things that you should be tracking. And I loved that she said revenue is kind of, uh, she's kind of in the same boat that I am. Like, it's always good to have revenue goals. And I'm sure at some point in my career, I certainly was like, hey, it'd be really cool to have a revenue that made this much money. And then I realized, well, revenue doesn't really matter. What is the actual profitability of the business? And then I think I started to realize, well, gosh, even that doesn't matter because, you know, I started back in 2004. So I rode out several ups and downs. And there are some things that you just can't control when you're in an AUM based business when it comes to the market and how you get paid. So it kind of whittled down for me like, okay, well, what are the things I can actually? control, right? I can control the number of meetings I hold. I can control the number of people I reach out to. I can control the number of phone calls that I make. I can control my follow-ups. But really, when we're talking about productivity or this idea of, hey, Libby, I want my practice to be more efficient. I want my practice to be more productive. More productive. What does that look like? Okay, so let's get into it. The first KPI key performance indicator that I liked to track in my business. And it's not perfect because of what I literally just said about revenue, being able to only influence it, not really being able to completely control it. But I liked to look at my revenue per hour. I've got a few videos in the Efficient Advisor community that really break this down. So, you know, if you're free to go, free to go watch that, if you're in the community, if you are um, a friend or a connection or a follower of mine on LinkedIn, I've got some videos out there as well. So I love for everybody, especially if we're still kind of towards the beginning of the year, to go back and look at the amount of time that they spent or the amount of time that their team spent in the office. And did I track like every single minute? No, I did not. I use estimates. I knew I worked 24 hours a week and I took 14 weeks off a year, basically. So I could do the math like, okay, 52 minus 14 times 24. Here's how many hours I worked. And then here's what revenue we we brought in, right? And I did this for all of my team members and said, okay, here's our revenue per hour as an individual and kind of as a team as a whole. And the goal was, so not everybody's goal is to increase revenue. I knew I hit a point in my career where I was really content with the amount of money that I was making. So it really became more about, well, how do I actually reduce the amount of time that I'm working to keep this same revenue? Where I can remember my management team on paper looking at it going, gosh, Libby, you're not growing. You're only growing by 8% or 12%. Like you're gonna, you're gonna starve to death. What, what's happening here? 
And what they didn't know behind the scenes is this, the same period of like incremental growth was while I was scaling back from what, 60, 70 hours a week down to 24. So while my revenue didn't necessarily go up leaps and bounds, my revenue per hour went completely bananas. It literally tripled in a couple of years. So that's kind of one example of where I personally think just looking at revenue or just looking at profitability kind of lets you down because it doesn't tell the whole story, right? It's just part of it. So for me, when I was looking at my practice, I was saying, okay, well, I want to be way more efficient and I want to be way more effective. How do I streamline? How do I create more templates? How do I systematize things? How do I automate? What do I need to automate, delegate, or delete? And this is then where using a revenue per hour actually really gave me a lot more detail to that story. So the objective became, hey, here's what our revenue per hour was last year, and our goal is to increase that by X percent. So what do we as a team and what do I as an individual need to do to work more efficiently? How do I get more done in less time. So this is one of the ways that we can actually measure the productivity that we have. And so if you're one of those people who is super smart and you downloaded the companion piece that goes along with this episode, go ahead and just hit pause and do the math. Figure out what is your revenue per hour with the formula that I provided you and Let's then think about your growth in terms of revenue per hour or productivity, right? And so again, does it tell the whole story? No, because if the market takes a 30% swing, your revenue is going to go down. However, just like, uh, you know, gosh, I can remember showing clients progress reports in 2008 and 2009 and hey, your, your net worth went down, but let's look at some of the underlying details here, right? Your, um, liabilities were reduced because you continued to pay your mortgage. So even though your net worth went down, so did your liabilities. So did the, so there's all these other things that you can look at besides just what's that high level in this case, revenue number. So you take your gross revenue of the whole practice and divide it by the total hours worked within the whole practice, and that gives you your revenue per hour for the practice. Then I want you to do the gross income um, for you divided by the total hours worked for you and the revenue per hour then for you. And those are where then you can focus on how do I actually increase my revenue per hour. And then if you are a coaching client of mine, we use that revenue per hour number to inform so many things. The the main thing being your client service model and how to segment your book using this KPI. It's genius and it just makes so much sense. And when we switched our segmentation to the revenue per hour, it gave us permission to do so many things in our practice. It was just absolutely lovely. So, okay, let's move on to the second KPI that I like to use in my business. Um, this is percentage of my time spent in front of clients. So I call this your client-facing hour ratio. So again, we're calculating how much time 
are you actually spending in a week working? And how much of that time is spent in client meetings or on the phone with clients adding value, doing what you do best? So we're going to take the average number of client meetings per week, and we're going to multiply that by the number of weeks that you worked, and that gives you your total client hours. Then we're going to take the same number that you used in the first calculation for um, your revenue per hour. We're going to take the total number of hours that you worked. We're going to subtract the total client hours that you spent facing clients. And then that's how we get our non-client facing hours. This is to me, the biggest area of opportunity is what on earth am I doing when I am not with my clients? How then do I work to increase the percentage of my time spent in front of clients, whether that's decreasing the amount of time that I'm working, and as my friend Matt would say, playing office, or how do I end up creating more systems? How do I template this? How do I delegate more? How do I give away a lot of these non-client facing things and really whittle it down to what I think is most important? So I'm not one of those people who believes that Every single minute of your day should be spent in front of clients, and that's it. There are lots of gurus out there that would say that that's absolutely the most profitable thing. Yeah, sure, great. For me personally, I couldn't perform like that. When I am in front of clients, it takes a lot of energy. And there were actually a lot of things that I enjoyed doing behind the scenes. So some advisors aspire to have a practice that's like a doctor's office, right? They, you know, if you picture your doctor's office, they basically grab the, you know, the file folder out of the little plastic holder thing outside the door, walk in, scan over the notes as they're approaching you. You tell them what's going on. They make some recommendations. They don't do any of the prep or any of the follow-up, right? They make all the determinations, they leave, the nurse comes in with the shots, the prescription, all of the following, right? So you can work towards that, absolutely. And I have a lot of advisors that I work with that are like, but I actually really like some of the prep. I really like some of the planning. I like reading about the markets. I like knowing this, I like knowing that. I want to learn more about taxes, great. I, I have to imagine that the vast majority of advisors enjoy some other aspect of the business besides just being in front of clients. And if your objective is to have a big, giant money-making machine, by all means, spend every single moment that you can in front of clients. That's going to be your most profitable event, right? If you're like most advisors and you actually enjoy some of that behind-the-scenes stuff and you maybe money or revenue isn't the highest desire of your practice. Maybe it's value or feeling like you're really connected to your client relationships. I don't know. But I know for me, I hit that revenue point where I was like, I am actually pretty good here. So it became more about how do I actually make the same amount of money, but work less like I talked about you know, before. So if you're going to work a certain number of hours, you might as well be trying to make more in that time that you're spending in the office versus just putting more in. So that's why I track the percentage of my time that I spent in front of clients. So to increase that percentage meant that I needed to develop a system. I need to develop a process. I needed to create more standard operating procedures. I need to be delegating more of the behind the scene things so that I could spend my time doing what I enjoyed. So going back to the doctor example, some people, I mean, hey, and there's nothing wrong. I like money. Money is fun. Money is good. Money is a tool that 
allows me to do lots of really cool things in life. So I'm not knocking on anybody who wants to make more money. So you can just save your LinkedIn comments, you know, (laughs) and go express them on a different podcast that's maybe a little bit more controversial than mine. I'm pretty freaking vanilla. But anyway, anyway, what I want you to at least think about is how do I re- how do I reduce the amount of time that I'm spending doing things that actually don't bring me joy. So if you enjoy some of that behind the scenes stuff, by all means do it. But still continue to look at how you're spending that non-client facing time and again that is your absolute biggest area of opportunity to work more efficiently and to work more productively. Okay, so the third KPI that we used was value add impact. So we talk about themes and adding value to clients a lot here at The Efficient Advisor, and you can go back. I have a gazillion podcasts on how to create themes in your business, how to um, you know take the meeting style that you have, and instead of doing all of the things in every single meeting, you know, stretching it out to a theme-based approach where you're doing really, really deep planning on a fewer number of topics each time you get together versus trying to do all of the things at a high level, right? So a depth versus breadth strategy. But one of the things that we want to look at is what is the impact that all of these value adds that we're doing actually have on our clients? So there are things that you can do that have a lot of impact on a client. So for example, you know, if you collect all of your ta- clients' tax returns and you run them through, you know, Stephen Jarvis's 37-point checklist and you're spending all of that time really making sure that your clients are maximizing every single penny, that is a really high impact activity. Now, that's also a really high time activity. The difficulty level of that is also high. So when anybody is doing a value add, when you know a client of mine is like, hey, I'm trying to do this and I'm trying to do that, and we send birthday cards and we do all the things, I always have everybody rate their value adds based on how impactful are they and what is the difficulty level to execute. So something like, uh, let's say birthday cards, very low difficulty sending out birthday cards monthly to everybody who has a birthday in that month is a pretty easy task. However, the impact on your clients is also pretty low. So low difficulty, low impact. There's nothing wrong with it. I'm not saying don't send birthday cards. I'm just saying don't send birthday cards thinking like, oh my gosh, this is you know, God's gift to my clients. They're going to be so grateful and holy smokes, if I didn't do this next year, I'm sure Shirley would call wondering where her birthday card was and be absolutely devastated that her financial planner didn't send her a birthday card. So my objective as a KPI was rating all of these on impact is how can I actually increase increase the amount of impact that I'm having? Can I increase this impact rating? Can I do things next year? that add more value, that are more impactful. Um, So going back to that episode I did on 13 themes or 13 easy value adds that you can implement in your business right away, thinking through some of those, like what can I do that's actually a really valuable activity for my clients that they're going to get and go, ooh, wow, hmm, that was really helpful. How do I do more of those? How do I build 
more systems, more processes? How do I train my team members to be able to deliver more impactful value ads? And again, I'm not saying don't send the birthday cards, absolutely send the birthday cards, but you might give that a value or an impact rating of one. So if that's all you did this year, awesome. What can you do next year to turn your impact rating into a two? And what can you add to make it a four? And can you get it up to, hey, we're doing four super valuable value adds every single year for our clients. That's a 16. You know, So thinking through how much value am I adding to my clients? How much impact am I having? And rating that on a scale of one to four and shooting to increase that every single year. And adding on to that, and again, when we're talking about you know contentment versus complacency, can we keep the value or the impact level the same? So let's say you get up to a 16, right? Now it's how can I make that easier? How can I make it less difficult? How can I make that take less time? How can we increase the value or how can we keep the value the same, but decrease the difficulty rating of delivering that level of value? Okay, so that is KPI number three. The fourth KPI, and I I put this in the efficiency productivity category because we all know getting referrals is the absolute fastest, easiest, bestest way to get clients, right? When you get a referral, there is a transfer of trust that happens and it expedites the trust process between you and this pro- and this prospect. You know, I personally think the nurture of the relationship when it comes to a referral is crazy fast compared to a completely cold lead. And I know y'all know what I'm talking about. So a totally rando client that shows up or a rando prospect that shows up at your workshop is gonna take a little bit more convincing than a referral from your best clients that came to same workshop, right? That came to the exact same event, experienced the exact same presentation because of that transfer of trust. So the fourth KPI that I actually tracked was the number of referrals that we received in a year. And I tracked the number of referrals and then I tracked the number of ideal client avatar referrals. So ideal referrals. And again, the goal was just to increase the number of referrals that we were getting because that alone would increase our efficiency or our productivity, which would increase our revenue, which would increase our revenue per hour, which would increase my, um, you know, client facing time, which, so it trickles over to all of the things like, is it really a, you know, an efficiency productivity marker? I don't know, but it's something really good to track that, that also in that, you know, we talk about, well, what is the story behind the numbers in the referral number baked into that is also your planning process, your client experience, your client service model, you know, we talk about the six plus the bonus, you know, so seven key processes that every financial planning practice has to have. The, the more you are nailing those processes and working really hard to make those better and more awesome and more valuable for your clients, the more referrals you will receive. So again, that tracking that number of referrals that you receive as an office does inform so many other things that you as that CEO of your business need to be looking at. Okay, 
So once again, I have sucked all of the oxygen out of the room and I want to make sure these episodes are impactful and I'm trying not to fill them with a lot of fluff. So let's just repeat the four KPIs that I think are a great measure of efficiency and productivity in your practice are revenue per hour. Okay. That's number one. The non percentage of your time in front of clients. So your client facing percentage, the impact or the value scale, the amount of impact that you're actually having on your clients and then referrals. So again, there is a PDF that you can download that has all of these KPIs on it and it is yours for the taking. So please, please, please go back and do your 2022 numbers and then track it again at the end of this year. And I know the question that I'm going to get asked is like, Libby, well, how do you track like your hours and blah, 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 blah. And I tried to address this in the beginning here, but just to reiterate, like just do your best guess. For me, if it's complicated or if it takes a lot of time, I am not going to do it consistently. So tracking the actual number of hours that I worked in a week, mm, it really doesn't work for me. However, if you notice some time creep, you know, it can't hurt to track how you're spending your time. And if you don't know your client facing, it was a super simple way of looking is how many meetings did you hold? Last year, most um, CRMs will track that information for you, but you can, again, you can say, you know, I typically hold 10 appointments a week, or I typically hold 12 appointments a week, or I typically hold 10 appointments a week and I do this many phone calls throughout the week. So just, again, you know, it's not, we're not looking for perfection here. We're looking for trends. We're looking for things that as a CEO that you can look at in your business and go, oh, whoa, hey now, um, gosh, this this is out of alignment or we're not improving in this area. We're really using these as markers and guideposts on our journey. So I hope this was helpful for you. You can grab that PDF in the show notes and out at the website. So I believe this is going to be episode number 95. So theefficientadvisor.com backslash 95. And there will be a link for the download to go along with this episode. If for some reason I got that episode number wrong, whatever the episode number is, theefficientadvisor.com backslash backsplash. Goodness gracious. Maybe that means I need to remodel my kitchen. Um, Backslash whatever the episode number is. And I will catch up with you guys next week. And oh my gosh, make sure you are in the Efficient Advisor community. We do have some really cool stuff planned. Um, I've just hired a new content manager to help me get everything all organized and deliver some really fun stuff for you guys out in the Efficient Advisor community on Facebook. There are currently 1,300 advisors in there who are awesome. I can't thank you guys enough, especially the ones that really participate when someone asks a question and people are so willing to share. Like, here's my template. Here's my website. Here's who we use. Here's my resource. Here's my contact. It's wonderful. So thank you. Thank you. Cause that's exactly what I envisioned for this community. And I couldn't be more excited. I also hang out on LinkedIn, so please make sure that we're connected. Go ahead and check me out under Libby Grywe on LinkedIn, and I post different content out there as well. If there is anything else I can do for you guys, please don't hesitate to let me know, but go ahead and grab that download in the show notes 
or out at theefficientadvisor.com backslash whatever episode number this is. Have an amazing rest of your week.